Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. The hope here is that we can do a deep dive into an indie comic you may have missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterward. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and Comics in Motion. Uh, I've been reading comics since I was 12, and while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect to readers in different ways, tell stories they may not have been able to tell, the traditional comics or traditional novels. This week, uh, I couldn't have picked a better guest. I actually roped him in to liking this comic uh, before I even had this show. So I'm pleased to welcome the host of Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics and Canon, Mr. Mike Burton. Mike. Hello, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to chat with you once again, and I'm sure we'll have many great chats in the future. I, I agree. So um, now let's, you know, tell everybody what you're, I know you're the Star Wars guy for comics, of course, <laughs> but um, what, what is your comic, like, what's your comic story? Like, my first comic was Green Lantern, I was 12. Um, I read a lot of indie comics, you know, I have favorites. I've got Tim Drake's, um, uh, you know, Robin R tattooed on my arm. You've got all your mm. Star Wars tattoos on your arm. So, but what's your comic book history? Like, how how do you feel about comics in general? Where do you come at them? It's a weird one because when I was when I was a lot younger, um, so before the age of say fourteen, I'd say um, I used to. I wasn't like an avid comic reader, but I'd get quite a few magazines uh, that were like, you know, young guys magazines that would have comics within them and that sort of stuff. But I was way more into books uh, when I was young. I was, I find that generally when I talk to people, a lot of the time it's like they're really into comics and I got them into books. Whereas with me, it was kind of the opposite. Like I, I was, I used to read so much when I was younger. I used to have like this little light that I used to leave on and mum would come in like three in the morning and I'm like 10 and be like, stop reading. <laughs> it's really me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with me with comics, interestingly, I didn't actually get into them that much when I was younger. Um, I, I, I think one of the first ones I read was actually Marvel Zombies, um, which is still always one of my favorites. Um, so I'd always, I played a lot of the comic book hero video games. I watch a lot of the series, you know, X-Men, the animated series is golden. Um, there's loads, lots of little pieces together, but I was quite, quite a reader and a gamer when I was younger and then I got into movies and stuff. And then really, I went to Comic Con, I think it was two years ago, and I just randomly picked up a copy of Civil War, funnily enough, um, which was actually spoken about, I think, on Max's show on, on the other Comics Emotion. Yeah, one right. One of, that was his first show with Civil yeah, War. Right? exactly. And I was like, that's one of the only ones I've read because I'm a terrible <laughs> comic book reader. And so I've got that and I've got... I've got a couple of other comics. Um, so I've got the Batman Killing Joke, which I haven't read. I've got Twisted. I got. I know. I'm a terrible person. So good. My God. I, I keep amazing. meaning to read it. it. The problem is, is what happened was about what got me into comics. The sort of rebirth in the last few years is about two and a bit, maybe three years ago. There's a comic book series called Doctor Afra, which is a Star Wars series, and the character Doctor Afra was introduced in a Darth Vader comic. Uh, the first one of Darth Vader comics currently is the third run. Um, and essentially, she's this rogue archaeologist. She's kind of like Indiana Jones mixed with Han Solo, but like chaotic neutral, almost, if it's nice. really like DD sort of terms. She's a really interesting and cool character, and some of her sort of co-stars are really cool as well. And a mate of mine got me three variant covers of her first issue. Um, they're quite rare and things. And I was like, okay, well, I need to buy the normal issue number one. So I get these all bagged and boarded and not ever touched again. And I could have issue one to actually read. And so I started reading them, and I was like, man, this is amazing. And then 
think it was at issue six or something, it did a crossover episode with the main Star Wars line, which was on issue 30 at the time, I think, did this series called The Screaming Citadel. And then from there, I got the Star Wars comics. And then the Star Wars comics link in with the Darth Vader series that was on at that time, where it was like the Darth Vader comic and then going forward, like backwards and forwards in time, the Darth Vader comic was like 10 years before. So it was like all these things were interlinking. And eventually I was just like, I need to basically just buy all the Star Wars comics because they're all nice. interconnecting and stuff. And then here we are and I've got bloody loads of them. I think I've, I'm on track to getting all of the canon Star Wars comics. But in all honesty, apart from uh, obviously... Um, Second Coming, I've read Civil War, Marvel Zombies, and then a few here and there. Um, I think I've got about six comics that aren't uh, Star Wars ones, apart from the ones I've just mentioned. So I'm actually <laughs> I'm on the Star I'm on the Comics in Motion podcast, talking with loads of people who are super into comics. And I listen to all you guys talk, and I'm like, yes, but. I don't know <laughs> most of these. <laughs> and it's like, I've, I've sacrilege. I own Killing Joke and haven't read it. And it's like, I only got it like a year ago, but it's still having it for a year and not reading it is sacrilege. And I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, it's honestly, I mean, that is, I'm sure Max will cover that one day. Um, mm. That is, it's that good. So maybe, maybe that'll be your way in to, to make you read it. Maybe you can go talk to Max about it. It is, uh, no, I get it. Everybody's got to have their own thing. I mean, I grew up, we've talked before, my earliest memory in my life was seeing Star Wars when I was four at the drive-in, like when it first came out, the original OG. Um, and, uh, you know, but I've only read a handful of the Star Wars comics. I read, um, you know, the original run that Marvel did that were the, the actual movie adaptations mm. back in the 70s. Uh, and I know Star Wars has bounced around. They've been in Dark Horse. And so I've considered like, well, I should do some on the show because that's, you know, that's an indie comic, Dark Horse. Mm. They're back with Marvel now. Um, and that's something you and I could talk about down the line. I think that would be interesting to take a look at. And I know you're focusing on canon, but maybe we'd do something, one of those old Dark Horse runs that isn't canon, you know, and kind of just yeah. take a look. At I do actually, a little very flavor bit of that is Darth Maul, which I'm doing that soon. Yeah. There's a Dark Horse comic, which is canon, but there's oh. also a Dark Horse Darth Maul comic that isn't canon, but they're both released very similar times. But I'll, I can go into when we do that. Yeah, that would be yeah, that'd be great. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean everybody's got to have their thing. I grew up. I mean, I'm a big book reader. Um, I read, you know, I I read a couple hundred books a year. Um, you know, but I read a lot of comics, and uh, and so it just always have. And it's it, I I was a book reader first, and then it was like like you said, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep as a child, so my parents were like, "Whatever, man. Here's some books. Just leave us alone." <laughs> Just don't wake us up. Um, and that was pretty much my whole life was awake at night in my room reading. So I get it. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm glad you're here. And, and the reason I picked you um, or I handed these books to you uh, when I first started reading them is because I know your fascination with organized religion. Um, and I thought, well, this book that we're going to do today is about that. It's, it's so layered. It's um, Mark Russell is hands down the best writing, the best working satirist in, for in comics for sure, but maybe just the best working satirist, period. Um, in my opinion, he makes me laugh and everything that he does. So um, so we'll get into it, but this is my first uh, Ahoy comic. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about Ahoy comics, give a little background into Second Coming, and then um, you and I will start talking. So Ahoy comics actually isn't that old. It was actually founded in 2018 by Hart Seeley, um, Tom Payer, and Stuart Moore. Um, and so essentially the cool thing that Ahoy Comics does that no other comic book company does is they have extras. They call it backup material in every single issue. There's either a short story or two or some artwork or a poem. So you get a comic book and then you get 
things that that fans have written in. It is such a so there it's like they're calling it like a Hoy Comics magazines instead of just your traditional twenty three page comic. So it is an excellent place uh, to see excellent uh, creative work that isn't just comic books. If you go to Ahoy Comics webpage, you can actually click on backup material and see it all for free online. So that's amazing. So it's an excellent place for creative folks to to share their ideas. So uh, what happened with Second Coming was, so Mark Russell and Richard Pace, this was supposed, wrote this comic for DC, was going to be part of their Vertigo line, and it was set to go. DC has let Mark Russell get away with stuff. He did the Flintstones reboot. He did, uh, which was... 12 issues of genius. I mean, there's like in, there's one issue in there where he predicts exactly what is happening now with Trump in there. It is so funny um, and frightening and sad, but also hysterical. And then, um, so they were going to do this and word leaked and that a Fox News segment was done about Second Coming. And of course, people started freaking out. So DC let him go. They just said, we can't do it. So they gave uh, Mark and Richard total autonomy to do whatever they wanted. And a couple of companies stepped up. They had even said they might have just published it themselves on Comixology. But Ahoy stepped up and said, no, we're going to do it. And it sold out. And it has been a huge success. And I suspect they'll get nominated for an Eisner for this. They should probably win. Um, Mark Russell has been nominated for several Eisners and has yet to win. So that's a little disappointing. But um, Essentially, what the, the premise is, is that Jesus Christ comes back to Earth and he lives with a superhero called Sunstar at the behest of his father, God, who thinks Jesus is a little bit soft. And Sunstar is kind of a giant, rage-filled asshole of a superhero. <laughs> um, and that's the plot. I mean, that's the general idea. So, um, so I, when you first started this, let's just jump in. There's a million things that we can talk about here. Um, the, the puns, you know, we definitely will want to talk about all the written puns, the visual puns, uh, Richard Pace's art style. But I guess you read them as they came out. So, you know, what was your thought of, of when you first read the, the, the first one? Because like you said, you, you really have only read like Star Wars comics and a handful of other comics. There's really nothing else like this. So what was your initial thought? Well, I mean, I loved the art style. I mean, one of the good things about reading Star Wars comics is virtually even with, as I said, three Darth Vader runs and a billion other runs of the same comic, they always usually choose uh, different artists, different colorists and different writers. So even though there's been three Darth Vader stories, they've all been written and uh, drawn by different people. So you really, the color style and the drawings is something where without being a comic reader is not something one would consider really. And so when I start getting into this and when I read different runs of things, I'm like, oh, I can, I can feel the difference. And what I liked about it is there's quite a lot of contrast as in it looks like it's drawn with a pencil and in certain parts they're pushing hard with it that's kind of like it, it, it's hard to explain obviously in an audio podcast and things but it's i found that the level of detail was it was like every panel was like a hand-drawn canvas that's how i felt just about the drawing itself and i love the color palette and you know there's the second coming obviously is set in present day but it does flashbacks to you know god to do the commandments all that sort of jazz but yeah. also when jesus came back and i like how when he goes back to sort of jesus time <clears throat> when he like two thousand years ago um it was the color palette they make it a lot more beige not only because obviously it was jerusalem and that sort of thing and a lot of desert but also as soon as it says you know uh, two thousand years earlier the, yeah. the palette's gone like is it, there's no it's not like a color palette of a rainbow it's like a uh, geiger almost in a really good way so i feel like just the visuals alone really 
excuse me, I feel like the visuals alone really do hit home with uh, sort of the feel of the comic. But if I'm thinking about sort of the first one, and I read it, and it's one of those things where the first issue sometimes can not deliver as much potential. And I found that this, it, it was much more than I'd expected, in all honesty, because I was, I was dubious, only on the basis that obviously I hadn't really heard of Jesus being in comics much before. No. Um, and the, I don't think, again, yeah, because obviously a lot of people, especially in America, it's a lot more of sort of blasphemy and that sort of sacrilege. Right, yeah, which is why but, it got shut down. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't, I, when you told me about it, I was like, that sounds like the concept is awesome, but 99% of people who try it will probably fall flat after the first issue i was like okay this is this is brilliant <laughs> this is this is genuinely excellent and i think that the subtle some of the brilliant subtleties is obviously um when you say the connection with mark russell with dc and they said he can do whatever of interest is sunstar allowed to be basically superman because that is yeah well i asked him about that i have an interview with him that's coming out in dc comics news soon and i said this is and he actually originally had written this as a superman story and they told him no Oh, okay. That explains yeah, this, a lot. Yep, that was originally what it was. He this was because right now he he just finished up a run in Wonder Comics where he brought the Wonder Twins from the Super Super Friends show of the seventies into the modern era. And so the way he writes Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and that is really funny. Um, he makes them like the Super Friends version of those characters, mm. which is great. Um, <laughs> but so he just created his own version. So the entire there's an Aquaman, there's a Batman, yes. you know, Night Justice. Batman's called. He's got the hipster beard. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, uh, they told him no, but so that's uh, why he created Sunstar. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, cause Sunstar, it's, I knew that I remember we spoke about it previously a little yeah. bit and I, I remember there was, I've, I remember something about DC comics, uh, yeah. being mentioned. I was like, I was like, there is, he had to have had some sort of acceptance from them allowing him to do this because I was like, Sunstar is such a clear, obvious satirical ripoff of su- Superman. So you're saying oh. that it does make a lot of sense. But- yeah. Beat for beat. I mean, to the fact that his, his girlfriend is a reporter, he's from <laughs> a small town in the Midwest. Uh, it's called Little Solarite. Tin instead of Smallville. Yeah. And Solarite, I think is his weakness instead of Kryptonite yeah, or something. Yeah, instead of Kryptonite. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'd, say my, I'd say my favorite thing about the whole run in general is genuinely the characters of Jesus and God. Because like with religion, I'm very intrigued by religion. And it, it's something uh, all organized religions intrigue me in a lot of ways because of, not to be rude to any of you who follow the religions, but there's so many clear hypocrisies within them. And so many, when you ask certain people who aren't scholars, who aren't maybe uh, as knowledgeable about the Bible as they thought they were, they can't really often come up with a, a good answer in a sense. And I, I, in my honest opinion is it's been translated a billion times. It's, you know, the people who translated it maybe had their own agendas, tweaked a few things here and there. It's all these, the basic bluntness of it is, I don't believe in God, but if I did, and he was perfect, humans aren't anyway. So that's kind of the way you can accept it in, in a sense. And what I loved about this is, the God character is basically Old Testament and Jesus right. is the New Testament. Correct. They literally talk about that. Like not, they don't say you're the old, you're the new, but they toe the line of explaining how two beings who are meant to be the same, but not blah, blah. They have such conflicting things and how the Bible can actually contradict itself. And I thought that was genius because it's like, I've got no problem with Christians. I've got no problem with anyone who follows any religion. But when you use doctrine to be dogmatic and, basically stop other people doing stuff that's what i don't like and what i love about this is that it just it it does it without you know it doesn't point a finger and say religious people are good or religious people are bad it's just like jesus even says a lot, lot of really cool quotes in it and things where he's just like 
people can suck, but we're trying. And that's kind of the beauty of it. That's what I love. Right. I think and what I found striking, and if you read the, the what I would recommend anybody who's going to read this, which everyone should read this, but 100%. Is, is the letters pages in every issue. Mark, the very first one, Mark talks right to us. And then by the time you get through it, they're, they're publishing letters that they've received. And there's, there was like, there was a pastor who wrote in who was like, I love this book, you know, who essentially was saying, this is not what I was expecting. Jesus is the hero. Jesus, this is, this is the Jesus that we think Jesus should be. And that's, and that's the, the ultimate um, clever twist is people thought, oh, well, he's making a, this is the guy who redid the Flintstones. This is the guy who took uh, Snagglepuss and made him into a gay goth Southern playwright. But of course, of course, that's what he was anyway. Um, but, you know, like this is this guy and now he's turning, um, you know, he's putting Jesus to live with superhero and God swears and Adam, there's, an Adam, <laughs> there's an Adam and Eve scene and the very yes, first- Yes, I've written that but, down. Yeah, the fruit is um, genital shaped. Yeah, I've written exactly that. I yeah. literally wrote fruit is yeah. genitals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, in, it's insane. But, so, but what I don't think people expected was that the hero is really Jesus. And I think mm. um, Jesus in this book is not a big fan of Christians. Mm. And I think that's really- thoughtful like he and at least two if not three occasions he gets beaten up by christians yes it's at least two satan kicks him a few times too but i think satan only kicks him after the third time he gets beaten up by christians yeah that's in the last issue i think the very last issue right yeah so three different times jesus being confused by christians gets his ass kicked by them (laughs) and continues to just get his ass kicked by them and i just think i mean you could not be more blunt about what you're trying to say here is that like, you know, Jesus is getting his ass kicked by Christians. Well, what is, what, let's, let's be honest. That happens all the time. I mean, the least Christ-like people I know in many occasions are Christians. Yeah. I mean, I'd say a similar vein in my God, obviously this isn't a Christian or Catholic bashing uh, podcast. Yeah, of course not. It, obviously it, when talking about something like the second coming, there has to be some sort of religious discussion sort of had. And it is interesting because I went to a Catholic primary school. Neither of my parents are religious um, and I'm an atheist, but maybe I'm an agnostic. I don't know. It, it changes by the day. But one thing I've kind of, especially recently come, uh, come to the conclusion of is that Jesus was right. Okay. Now, whether or not you believe Jesus exists is another thing. I, I think Jesus did exist. I don't think he did miracles and stuff, but I think he existed. And I just think the stories that Jesus told and the person in my mind that Jesus was is the, the, the epitome of humans, is, is the, the best part of being a person. And what I always kind of thought of was the Old Testament God is the worst parts of humans because yeah. they're vengeful, they're arrogant, they don't forgive, and it's like you do this one tiny thing wrong, and then it's this craziness. Uh, there's one line which I want to read. Uh, it's a quote which is it literally kills me. When, when I read it, I was just cracking up. And it's I think it's in the first one, or maybe the last one. I think it's the first one. And Jesus is saying you didn't give people chance, you didn't do this. And at one point, God just God says, "Well, I did try drowning them." Right, that was <laughs> the first. Like, right, yeah. And, the note, and I was like, "That is amazing." And you've got this t- discussion between Jesus and God, and Jesus is saying, "Like, look, dude, you need to give him a chance. Like, you can try." And he's like, "Well, I did this," and he's like, "You've been <laughs> punishing them for one thing. Two people did for ages." So yeah, so I'm God. I'm gonna do what I want. One, I hey, here's the Ten Commandments. They still won't listen to me. I flood them, and it's like, it's it's so funny, at Jesus. 
la- like arguing with God and God swearing, as you say. I, I think at one point he says, um, so I'm like, oh, my fucking Lord flowers or something. And he well, throws a glass down and it's just like God saying, reading God saying fuck. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> and my favorite one is cheese and fucking crackers. It starts off like he's saying like cheese and crackers is like the fake swear that children say, but then he still says fucking it. <laughs> well, and I think it's true though. I think the um the the argument there that yes, there's Old Testament God who's kind of a dick. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, if you believe in the Old Testament, he is vengeful and he really does not like us. Um, the fact that humanity survived at all after pissing God off all for, you know, a thousand pages is pretty amazing. Um, it's almost like humanity survived in spite of him trying to kill us all the time. <laughs> um, and he is very vengeful. And then Jesus, of course, is a hippie, right? That's, I mean, if you, he wears Birkenstocks, he wears a robe, he's got long hair, he's got a scraggly beard. Uh, you know, he works with his hands. He just wants to party hang out um and that and that is so stark here and and that is really really um what i think you know russ one of one of the points russell is is trying to make is in number one like you can be a good christian and not be a christian like you can Mm -hmm. follow jesus like the hero of this book is jesus like jesus is a guy you want to hang out with yes Every time you see him, he's always doing the right thing. He's, he just, like, there's that whole conversation he has, I think it's in the second issue, where uh, Sunstar and Jesus are, are out on a mission, and Sunstar's trying to stop the bad guys, and he hits him in the head with the shoe, and he does all this stuff. And then while he's inside beating everybody up, Jesus just heals a few of the people, and he lets them go. I've got that written down as well. I was going to bring yeah. it up. Yeah, and he's like, why did you heal them? And he's like, well, you know, because... I thought that would be the right thing to do. And he's like, well, why do they do bad things? And he's like, well, because they're, they're sick and they should be healed. And that's why they do bad things. But you shouldn't just heal them just because they're sick. Because, you know, so it's like, because this weird twisted logic of, of, of um, what we think is right and as opposed to what is actually right. And, and I think by having this Sunstar character, by having a Christ, I mean, Superman is a Christ-like character. And we mm-hmm. can't pretend that he's not, he's, he's, he's a guy, he's, God raised mm-hmm. by humans. He came from nowhere, right? He's raised by people who aren't his actual parents. Um, he can perform miracles. He can walk on water. I mean, there's, a, you know, and it's funny, it's interesting too, because Superman was invented by two Jewish men. So I always find that really interesting. Like, you know, Superman in, he literally means Ubermensch, right? Um, and so there's this really interesting, I've always find it fascinating that, that Superman was created by two Jewish guys, but there, he's a really Christ-like figure. Because, and the original Superman isn't an angry, vengeful God, but it almost feels like Mark Russell is, is putting his finger on his nose and reminding us that, you know, Superman was created by two Jewish guys. So Superman is way more like Old Testament God than he is like Jesus. He's kind of a vengeful prick. He could do whatever he wants. He could pick up the very first Superman. He's holding up a car, just smashing a car, right? That's the first Action Comics number one. He's doing damage on the very first time anybody's ever seen Superman. He's breaking stuff. And one of the funny things as well about this comic is that the way it all kind of starts, obviously it, it does a little, like the first half of the, the first issue is sort of like the retelling of stories we already knew about. You know, there's the Adam and Eve thing, there's the second coming of Jesus, Ten Commandments, etc. But one of the brilliant things is that 
the way, the reason that Jesus goes to Earth is because God thinks that Sunstar is so cool that right. Jesus needs to learn from Sunstar, and it's obviously that Sunstar is acting like Old Testament God, right. and Jesus is New Testament. God's like, no, you need to be more like yeah, him. Basically, go out there. People are bad. Basically, beat the shit out of them. That is, yeah. like, it's basically what he's saying, and it's like because that's kind of Old Testament God's thing is do what I say. No, okay, eternal torment. Whereas the Jesus is like, okay, you messed up. It's fine try and work at it and if you're trying that's enough to kind of get there and it's just i think for i think it's almost this comic is as equally important for atheists as it is for christians and catholics it, it's it's one of those weird things where it plays both sides but i tell you what it's like um do you watch much south park i don't know you probably sure know yeah yeah it's south park it's in now a and again yeah yeah I, I personally absolutely adore it but in the sense of where south park literally take the piss out of everyone they they even when they have ones where they have someone who is like they have two celebrities and one celebrity is clearly doing something really bad they always still rip on the celebrity that's not necessarily the bad one in air quotes equally they, they always throw shade whenever cartman or something is doing something crazy and stupid and then kyle has to be the voice of reason then cartman normally says something back that is actually quite reasonable saying, yeah but you're only doing this nice stuff because there's all these people here and it's like yeah that's a good point and it, i like I don't like people attacking people unless you attack everyone. Right, sure. And that's what I like. And that's what I liked about this comic is that it's really, if you're not actually attacking anyone if you're giving everyone the same amount of sort of stuff. If you're focusing on one small group of people and giving them all this negative stuff, yeah, that's an attack. But if you're generally just pointing out the flaws in a sense of both sides of the coin, that's what I love because you get so many cool things out of it. Yeah, when I think what I think what he does there by pointing out the flaws and everything is that he is saying, if you're like, so Sunstar, you know, he's not even human. So of course, he's not a Christian. That's the, that's the best thing about this, right? Sunstar is an alien, thus disproving the concept of, you know, in, in, the, in the beginning, there was heaven and earth and God created them. And oh, there's only life on earth that God created this. And, you know, and, and we learn in this book that God created earth and it's his favorite planet. It doesn't, it doesn't mention whether or not God created Sunstar or not. He seems kind of surprised that Sunstar is there, but he's not, he's not like, who, you know, who invented him? He just is like, yeah, of course, there's other life forms. So I think that's really, really funny. Um, in and of itself, because, you know, if, if I've always felt that if alien life were proven, a lot of religious people would just shit their pants because mm -hmm. that, that, that goes against their entire teaching that God created us and we're the only life in the universe is the life on earth. And if there's, if we can prove there's life on other planets, then God can't be real. And that, and Mark Russell's not saying that he's saying, mm -hmm. you're just, a, get out of your own way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, yes, okay, if God is real and God invented you, why would you think that he only invented you? Mm. Why would you think that? That's like small-minded. Yeah, it is, totally. So, but I definitely think he's equal opportunity um, uh, bashing everyone, that's for sure. Um, and, and some of them are more subtle, like what I just said, and some of them are obvious um, with the, you know, the, the, you know, God hates fag sign that happened. Mm. Um, that was brutal. That was a brutal scene for me um, because we've all seen that, mm -hmm. right? We've seen those signs and to watch the look on Jesus's face when he realizes what's happening in that moment, when he's, when he's um, at the gay restaurant with Satan and then this 
this idiot, you know, guy who hates gay people comes up and is getting ready to kick his ass. Um, but Jesus doesn't know that at first. He says to Satan, you're going to leave me with this guy. And Satan says, this is your problem. Uh, you, you created this problem. But of course he didn't. Jesus is there saying like, wait, wait, wait. I don't even know who Paul is. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, it was just such a, it was, it was, it was, it was equal opportunity, I think is what you're saying. Uh, uh, pointing out the flaws in the way people read the Bible and the way people act as Christians. And like somehow those people in there think they're, they're great Christians because they're beating up a guy who's having, who they think Jesus and Satan are a couple because they're at a gay restaurant together. I think it's called Hail Mary's um, <laughs> is the name of the gay restaurant that they go to. But they don't know it's a gay restaurant. They don't care because um, Jesus doesn't seem to care. That's the thing. Jesus doesn't think twice about being at a gay restaurant, but these people are like beating him up for it. And, and I just think that the idea that we have to read this, and if you are um, a Christian and you read this, you have to grapple with the fact that there's someone out there carrying an offensive, hateful, awful sign that says that. Though that's right now, somebody is carrying a sign that says that. Mm-hmm. And um, he makes you want to look at that. So I guess my question is, and you said this is important for, you know, atheists and agnostics and Christians and everybody, but do you think Christians are reading it like they should? Do you think, do you think this is a book they're even going to be willing to pick up? I, it's an interesting one because it's a similar argument of, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, friends of mine are basically i can be argumentative as i've gotten older i'm a lot less argumentative and i pick my battles a lot more but a lot of the time i'll argue with someone because they say something uh, homophobic or racist or something and i, I try and bite my tongue but i can't i'm terrible at it and a lot of the time people say why do you even bother like why why bother arguing with this person you're not going to change their mind and one thing which is interesting is we speak about the god hates fags thing and it's um uh, the girl's name as, as one of the daughters who left uh, the Westboro Baptist church, whose name escapes me. Um, she speaks about, she actually got spoke to people on Twitter and people on Twitter said to her about what about this? What about this? And all these hypocrisies. She went back herself, looked into it and then eventually came to the conclusion that the Westboro Baptist church was misreading the Bible in her mind. And she left. Now, the reason I bring that up is because what made me think of is there's a spectrum and it comes the same with the voting in a sense. There are some people, especially in America and England, you know, people on the left and the people on the right. And it doesn't matter who's at the helm. It doesn't matter what policies they say. It doesn't really matter about anything. They are going to choose left. They're going to choose right, literally no matter what happens. So there's no point even trying. The people in the middle are the manual ones. And I think what a lot of the people on the left and the right are the people who are non-religious and the religious, whatever. They think the middle ground is like 10% of the people. I think the middle ground is really about 90% of the people. I agree I completely. Because, there's so many people who you just change your mind about stuff. You know, I've changed my mind hundreds of times about God knows how many different things. Fingers crossed, not Star Wars, because I do have that on my skin now. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know it, I, I feel like a good, um, I feel like the Christians who could never have their minds changed aren't going to bother reading it because they aren't interested in learning in blunt honesty. Most people who I know who are um, horrible people, which is very few people I actually associate with who I know to be horrible people. And they don't want to be good. Um, and I want to quote one of my friends actually called Reese, who's been on my Gin and Chit Chat podcast a few times. And he, he said it brilliantly. And we were talking about heroin addicts. And what he said was, the biggest problem with a lot of people with addictions is they don't actually want to stop doing drugs. They want to want to stop doing drugs. That's, and that's kind of how I feel about a lot of intellectual uh, pursuits. There are some people who genuinely say 
they want their minds changed and will go out of their way to listen to other perspectives, listen to podcasts, read books, and try and challenge their own mindset while getting a wider view of other things. But what a fair amount of people do is they, they act like they are thinking that, but it doesn't matter what is said, they will never, ever change their mind. So in a, long, in a short answer, for Christians, I think that the Christians who could have their minds changed will, but this comic, although it will, I'm sure, help a few, quite a few people, I believe that the Christians who genuinely have their minds changed would probably have had their minds changed by other means, not saying that the comic isn't good, but the Christians who are dogmatic and refuse, they're just going to read probably a few pages of this and then completely change their mind. Uh, completely just go, nope, I've read one page, two pages. This is blasphemous. I'm not going to Right, touch we're it. done. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask you as well, um, yeah. it, it's a slight comparison, is um, do you know any of the background of uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. They needed with- George Harrison had to... Uh, bailed them out he's the one who paid for them to finally make that movie because they couldn't get any funding yeah exactly and what happened was they did this tv interview with two priests shortly after it came out and then the priests actually showed up to the cinema like 10 minutes later and then they did this interview basically saying it's all blasphemous and then at one point michael Payne or john cleese goes you do know at the start of the film the literal first scene is us showing he's not jesus christ right that's the whole joke right and these priests hadn't seen it yeah and these priests hadn't watched the first 10 minutes so Uh. they're arguing with them for ages on this thing where John Cleese, is, uh, John Cleese and Michael Payne are both arguing about, like arguing with these priests about it for this thing. And they're like, wait, did you not see the first scene? Do you think we were actually saying this is... And they were like, yeah. And you're like, I've been arguing with you for this long when you haven't even seen the full picture. And that's, in a sense, that's kind of how I feel with a lot of Christians is if you're willing to open your mind, you will probably get your mind changed. But not... The goal isn't to be atheist. The goal is to just... In my mind, I don't care what religion you follow. Just don't be a dick. Be more like Jesus, even if you don't believe Jesus was even a thing. See, I think that is, that is exactly what I think the message of this book is, is if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Muslim, if you're not a Jew, it doesn't matter. The, the, the hero of this book is Jesus, and Jesus is pretty cool, mm-hmm. and um, he is a great guy, and he is genuine in everything he does. He thinks giving people a chance to forgive themselves, and, you know, and I don't want to spoil everything because I don't want to give away how it ends and what mm-hmm. happens at the end, what Jesus ultimately does at the end. But, but you also, like, you see, a, a, you see him grow, too, like him coming back. So, so in the book, you know, he hasn't been back to earth since he was crucified. And that's, you know, he comes up and he's like, oh, I got to go back, and God won't let him go back. He, like, sends him to his room for 2,000 years, and, um, which I think is funny. And, <laughs> and uh, so now that he's coming back to earth, he's so confused by who Jesus is represented as on earth. There's a picture of him like throwing a foot, like dressed up like a quarterback, throwing a, an American football and like all of these insane things. Jesus is, and Jesus reads the new Testament and he's like, holy shit. I didn't say any of this. This isn't what I said. <laughs> and he's so mad. At, he's like, weren't there people there writing it down? I swore people were there writing it down. How would they get this so wrong? And, and the idea behind it, right, is just don't be a dick. This is the ultimate book. Like that is, that could be the tagline, second coming, don't be a dick. <laughs> and, and, and I think that if people, as you said, were willing to, to read through these, like, yes, there is a scene when Eve eats a, the fruit, the forbidden fruit is shaped like a penis and she's eating it. And that's funny. <laughs> um, and you just I have to... Just- 
I would quickly add into that. There's when we, I forgot to mention it right at the start when you see yeah. the background subtle jokes in that scene where she is talking to God. You see in the background Adam holding his penis and putting yeah. it out like smiling, like oh, looking God, at it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. Adam's pretty dumb in this when you first meet Adam. Um, like Satan is naming all that all the animals on Earth, and he's like, "I'm going to call you this because of this." And then you finally meet Adam, and he's like. I'm going to call you a mole and I'm going to call you a rat and I'm going to call you a mole rat. <laughs> and Satan is so pissed that, you know, God loves these dumb humans because we're dumb. And so, and Adam is really painted as an idiot in this for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if people would just be willing to get back, get behind some of the jokes. And I think it's extreme on purpose. It, it's extreme to make an impression. I mean, if Mark Russell had just written a straight book that was like, you know, for real, Jesus came back to earth and he was disappointed in us. Um, it wouldn't, without the jokes, without the God swearing, without catching your attention and shaking you. And I think there's not one issue in this six issue run that doesn't make someone, whether you're an atheist or an agnostic or a religious person, question yourself. Now, I was raised Catholic and I'm not part of that team anymore um, at all. I, I have a yin yang tattoo on my arm. You know, I kind of lean more Taoism, which is more like, you know, philosophy than religion. I kind of, the reason I like Taoism because that's the whole point, right? It's 82 poems that teach you, to quote you, to not be a dick. That's what it is. <laughs> if you, I mean, Taoism, that's what it is, right? Taoism is like, be decent. You know, like Bill and Ted at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Be decent to each other. Party on. Rock, what is, what? And so- uh, Be excellent. Be excellent to each other, right? That's what it is. So, so I feel- but that every single page of this book is designed uh, to make you have that conversation with yourself. And honestly, if I were to ever have the opportunity to teach a religious studies class, I would require this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I completely agree. What, what, because um, you mentioned the Monty Python thing. The, there's, the story that I always think of is His Dark Materials. Philip Pullman says Dark Materials. Uh, have you read those? Uh, I haven't, no, I'm afraid. Yeah, they're just... I know, I know of them generally, but... Fan, fantastic. My favorite, you know, it's in my favorite young adult books of all time, that trilogy. God, I love it. Um, but, you know, people have banned that outright without ever having seen it and without ever having read it. And then when the first movie came out, it didn't do very well. And part of it was because people were just like, I'm not going to see that movie. Blasphemy. And, and what of Philip Pullman, who is a is an atheist, like openly atheist. One of his best friends is a priest. So Philip Pullman's friend, who's a priest, he said, listen, man, if you think reading a book for children um, is going to shake your faith, then you've got other problems. Mm -hmm. well, exactly. And, and, and that if you think a work of fiction like this, a comic book, right? These are 24 pages per issue. So if you're saying you can't get through a few hundred pages, not even 150 pages of comic books um, that have jokes in them, where Jesus is the hero, and you think that somehow is going to make you not be a Christian, then you've probably got other problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because, um, without diving too far into my girlfriend's personal life and things, she, when I first met her, and we've been dating for nearing, nearing two years, and when I first met her, she, when asked, said she identified as a Catholic. I mean, her had an argument about this, not because I have a problem with people uh, saying they're Catholic, but from her saying that, that was a few months after we'd been uh, we'd been dating, and a few months after that, I'd been thinking about it and things, and I brought it up, and I basically said, I don't want to tell you what your religion is, but you're not a Catholic. 
I'm, I'm you you aren't because I was I was raised Catholic essentially. I've I look through quite a lot of different the differences between Christianity and Catholicism and stuff, and it's it's more or less basically Christians are pretty chill and Catholics are not. Christians are we're all flawed. God loves you anyway. Let's all be happy. Catholics are more so like this is a generalization. More so like you know you are flawed and you are a problem and you are lucky god loves you and you should beg for forgiveness all the time and it's like and so i was like you know you're more, more sort of a christian and as we've grown together and you know i've expressed a lot of my opinions and stuff i think she's more leaning away from that not because i want her to but because you don't you can still be a moderate christian and still be a christian and in, in my eyes what i've always kind of said in in my life is i don't believe there is a heaven or a hell personally but I have faith that if there is, and if God exists, that I can go up to him and say, look, you saw my life. You saw everything I experienced. You can see why I didn't think there's a, a, there's a God. You can see why I did this and that. I believe I lived a good life. If you would rather me live a bad life, but get forgiveness and don't blaspheme you compared to me living a good life, but I blaspheme you. If you think that living a good life but blaspheming you is worse and I should go to hell, then I will not worship you. I, I will go to hell for that. That is a place I'm willing to die on. Because if it's between a, a sort of malevolent God who hates humans and wants you to just grovel, I, I don't want to deal with that. If you're a God who is about love and is more of the Jesus God, that is who I want. And so I've always kind of had, especially more recently, I've um, had the mindset of, um, agree with, I think it's quoting Jordan Peterson, actually. He says, you don't have to believe in a God, but if you live your life like there is one who's just generally keeping track of you being a good or bad person, if everyone lived like that, life would be better for everyone. And that's sure. exactly what you said. This, this comic is uh, one of the brilliant things. I want to uh, read a quote from what I actually wrote up is uh, towards the end, God and Jesus having a conversation. I won't spoil the whole conversation, but they're basically talking about how when Jesus came back, he basically started a new religion. There was already God's sort of religion, and then Jesus started another religion. I think it's gently saying Catholicism, Christianity. And one thing that God said is that he said, uh, Jesus said, I failed because of all the things that you know, goes to earth. As you said, God hates fags, all these sort of other things. And people who say they're Christian when they don't believe the values necessarily. Yeah, there's Nazis in here who are Christian. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah yeah. 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 And so what God says at one point, he goes, um, the thing is that you gave, you didn't give the right answer, but you gave a new wrong answer that changed the world. And I think that's one of the best ways of putting it. Because my, my stance of all religion has been, they all have a piece of the puzzle of what the universe, what life actually is. Science has, in my opinion, a lot more pieces of the puzzle, but I don't think you can discount a lot of the things from uh, Christianity and Buddhism, especially and Hinduism, all these different things. I think they all have pieces of a puzzle. I just think all the issues come through when you let someone have a, have a book, ironically speaking of a comic book. It yeah. is just the fact that as soon as you have a book that says, this is what God says you've lost because you don't know. And that's the problem. Well, that is the problem. And I think, so part of, one of the things, um, you know, so Lao Tzu, the person who is attributed to having written the Tao Te Ching, he never wanted to write it down. And the argument always was, well, as soon as I write it down, it'll become a religion and it's not one. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> and because, but that is, and I think what Russell is saying here, by he's documented this. This is, it was really important to him that this didn't go away. You know, like Fox News thought, oh, we'll shout it down and DC will walk away. Not knowing because most people don't know, which is again, part of why I'm doing the show. There's more than just Mar DC and Marvel. <laughs> you know, there's all these other comic companies and this sold out. I mean, these, this has been in reprint after reprint after reprint. And now the full collection, second coming volume one is out. 
And that's selling out and is doing so well. And it's doing so well because it is a really pro-Jesus book. It's not necessarily a pro-Christian book. It's a pro-Jesus book. But he, again, is writing it down. It's almost like the gospel according to Mark, as it were, right? I mean, there is a gospel. That's so, brilliant, yeah. But, um, but it's this idea that he's saying, look, look, I've written this down now. I, now this exists by me putting this into words onto paper. It exists in your hands. This is me having a different document to combat your document. And you're right. As soon as you put it down in writing, it seems to have uh, more weight because, oh, well, that's what the words say. Um, and, and of course, as you said at the, off the top, I don't read Aramaic. I'm sure you don't read Aramaic. <laughs> I definitely don't. I could only read English. <laughs> okay. So, right. My German is, I could maybe, you know, maybe if I moved to Germany, my, I used to be pretty fluent in high school. And I don't know, I can say like 14 words now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. And, and when, you think about, when you think about this, these people, because this, this book takes place in America, mostly. Um, there's other world leaders who are evil and doing evil things. And um, we'll talk about that a little bit. We, we still need to talk about Sheila, Sunstar and Sheila's relationship. I would like to talk about that as the only woman in this book, really. I think mm-hmm. she's important. So we'll talk about her for a second. But, um, but what I think is fascinating is that we forget that, you know, Mark Russell wrote this book in English. It exists in English. And this is a new view of Christianity from the English perspective. But the, the amount, you mentioned this right off the top, the amount of translations that the New and Old Testament have gone through is astronomical. And I've actually had conversations with people who are like, well, what the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. And I actually said, well, which version are you talking about? And the guy said, what do you mean? There's just the one version. And I oh, said, well, tell me what version you have in your hands. And he's like, it's the good word. You know, it's the, it's the, it was essentially an English, a modern English translation of the King James Version, because even that's a little too heavy for some people with all the begats and stuff. And this guy who was born again, you know, like five minutes before he's telling me everybody I know is going to hell, is reading this book in English. And I'm like, so you think that's like the words you're, what you're holding, you think that's how it was written? And he said, and he said, of course. Oh God. So then it was like dealing with it, like translation, trying to explain to him, like my, one of my favorite books is Don Quixote. I've never read it in Spanish because I don't speak Spanish. So do you think that the version of Don Quixote that I've read is the same? I've read two different versions of it because it's just different translations. And he was like, no, there, and he just couldn't, he wouldn't, he refused to hear me because mm-hmm. like you said, it was written down. And as soon as it became a book, it was the end of everything for him. So it's just so fascinating. And I think that's what makes this so important. But this book now stands as a counterweight to all the other religious studies um, that are out there. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. It's so, no, you go. <laughs> it's, it's one of those strange things where I've had it before. I, I'm definitely not a religious scholar in any way, but I've had conversation with people who claim to be Christian. And there are some fairly base level religious questions. And a lot of the time they just can't answer really simple things. And I feel like there's a, I can't remember who said this, uh, but it may not even be a quote, just to think people say it, but the more you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Only a fool yeah. thinks they know everything. A wise man knows he knows nothing. And that's kind of how it is. As I've gotten older, I've become less arrogant because I realize the more I learn, the more I don't know. And there's, there's a little metaphor I, I like to use, um, which I said in my podcast a couple of times. 
the way I view growing up, and you can use this for almost uh, anything, when you first get into podcasting, when you first get into anything, like the comic book realm or anything like that, what it seems like is when you, uh, when, when you first do it, you're a child, you're like a toddler sort of thing, and you can see this big door against a cliff. And you see this door, and you look through the keyhole, and you can see a very finite amount of what's actually in there. And because you look for the keyhole as you're growing up, until you get to a proper height, say, you're always looking for this keyhole. And you're like, I know everything that's in that room. I've seen through that keyhole. I know everything. You open the door, and all you can think is, fuck. Because <laughs> if you, you open a door to a normal room, like a cupboard or a closet or anything like that, a utility room, you open a door after looking through a keyhole, and you realize that you can see less than 1%. If you think of anything you like as the, like an entire cliffside and you open the door and the entire cliff is this giant hollowed out atrium full of stuff, that's the comparison I kind of have of just of knowledge of when, when you have the least amount, you think you've got it all because you think that's not that much. I know all of it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, my nieces and nephews are a little bit like that. You know, we're around the age of sort of 10 to 12. When you finally, when you stop learning how to be a person and you start just learning about people in a sense. Once you've learned to talk and walk and write and all that sort of jazz, and then you're like, okay, cool. Two years go by and you're like, I've got this. I know everyone. I can get it. Right. And that's what I was like as a teenager. I was like, you know, sure. I was like, there is no God. Definitely not. I know there is no God. And then I've gotten older and done a few things, okay. uh, maybe. maybe. And yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe a few things. And um, had lots of life experiences as well and this sort of jazz. And I just kind of think, I don't believe there is a God, but. If there was, I wouldn't think he's some toolish white dude with a beard. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, if, even if we are the only beings that exist, even if he is a toolish white dude with a beard, he's not going to be how anyone would actually think he is. And that's why, uh, to compare it to another, uh, Life of Brian is one of my favorite sort of satirical religious um, things, as well as South Park, because they have Jesus as a character in it all the time, which cracks me up. Right. But there's a film called Dogma by Kevin Smith. Sure. Have you seen that? Yeah, of course. Love it. One of, I, I just love it when someone who actually knows about religion talks about religion when they're not just conflating it. Do you know what I mean? Right, when, I do. That's exactly what this does. The, clearly, Mark Russell knows a lot about religion. I don't know his religious affiliation. He could be an atheist, Christian, Catholic, anything. But just having a baseline knowledge of it means that you can critique it and talk about it openly and honestly, which is, it's almost like the second coming is actually a conversation between Mark within Mark Russell's own mind, where it's almost a conversation between an atheist and a hardline Christian, which are both the same person. And it's almost like he's, in a sense, fighting with his own faith, but talking about it as opposed to actually fighting. There's like two people sat down and kind of battling out with verbal and verbally, in a sense. Yeah, he actually, if you want to have a good time, he actually has a book called "God Is Disappointed in You," <laughs> where he takes the Bible and kind of breaks it down into um, language you can understand about all the things you've done wrong as a human. Um, mm -hmm. That was one of the that's so that's a really really funny book if you want to um, take a look at that. And it's a it's a it's a graphic novel in the sense that it's there's some art, but it's oh, nice. it's like I mean it's he doesn't make up a lot. You know what I mean? It's, it's, mm -hmm. he's using the words that are actually there. So yeah, he is definitely, I don't know if he'd call himself a scholar. Um, I, but because he, this comes up a lot in a lot of his work, there's lots of religious overtones there. I think that that was an excellent analysis of what this, of what, of who he probably is. And, and even if he isn't, you know, who are we to, to speak for him? But I think that's the funny thing is, so we've been talking for what, 40 minutes. We've drifted from the point of the, from the comic, but that's what I think he wants. I feel like mm -hmm. this is, this comic book is about 
religion. And it's about us having religious conversations. And so, you know, and I'm sure as people are listening to this, they're like, wait, Indie Comics Spotlight, you guys were talking about Life of Brian and, and uh, uh, his dark materials. But I think that's the point, right? Is that by putting this down there and by, by creating such a thoughtful and really, you know, blasphemous kind of um, just bold is the word I would use, bold book where Definitely. he doesn't give a shit. He's like, here it is exactly as it is. I'm going to tell you the story I want to tell. And you guys are going to have to deal with it. And I just think you, you can't just talk about this comic by just talking about the comic. You have to talk about religion and not just Christianity, but organized religion in general. Of course, he yeah. is using Jesus as the, as the main character and he's setting it in America and he is juxtaposing it against a superhero comic book. Um, and there's so many layers there, you know, that, that, but what he wants you to do is he wants you to look at at your own faith and what you believe and what you don't believe and why. So, I mean, I'm pleased we, we took that tangent, but I do want to talk about the only human, you mentioned humans. There's only one human main character. There's lots of humans in here. Mm-hmm. So Sunstar, for everybody who hasn't read it yet, but you should, um, mm-hmm. Sunstar, the best line about Sunstar is um, one of the characters, he's in a superhero therapy group, like the Justice League, and they all kind of hate him. And one person says, he, we didn't invite him here. He just showed up and started kicking things around. He's like a white tourist in Mexico. That's like <laughs> milk out the nose funny. Like, that's so good. That is like, it's one of the best lines. I mean, this book is full of great lines, but I love it that is. one. But, so, there's humans. Um, and they're like, a, you know, this, well, the one is an Atlantean, but the rest of them are humans. But um, Sunstar's human name is Ken. Um, and instead of like Superman, us pretending that he, that everybody doesn't know who he is, everybody just knows Ken and Sunstar are the same person. But he has a girlfriend um, who's the lowest lane of this, and she's called Sheila. Um, and uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of commentary there on on humans in general. That our one human avatar is a woman who's who's um, the girlfriend of a superhero. So I guess, what was your thought on Sheila? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I have some thoughts on her, but what, what did you think about her as the human avatar? I mean, I, I did enjoy her. I mean, you know, honestly, when I was reading it, I probably didn't take as much uh, attention to her as you probably did. So I'm much more interested in hearing what, what you have to say about her, but I really, I did enjoy her in it and things, but one of the things that was quite interesting to me was especially in the, the last uh, book, which once again, I'm not going to spoil anything. Like There's one line in it, which it's, Sheila doesn't say anything, but it, it's a, it's about a uh, Sunstar saying it, and he says something about um, we were trying for kids, we've stopped trying to have children now. That's made us closer. It's made us sadder, but it's made us closer. So I guess that's good. Mm-hmm. And it, I know that isn't directly from her, but I just that I felt that that was so powerful, and that it was it was such a good way of showing their the sort of the strength of their relationship. And I know it's not her actually saying it, but him saying that is you don't hear that kind of thing very often you, you know i've seen so many films where people can't have kids and the relationship breaks down and it goes with this horrendous horrendousness and obviously it happens in real life too and what i think about it is having having a human character with superhero is always is always a weird one because what you don't want to do is have her just look like you know the the bland standard she's just a female or she's just a human or you know she's just anything that says someone is just anything after that is not good you know right i agree yeah so i feel like that she 
she's strong and she's powerful and dependent and that sort of stuff. But I feel like one of the strongest parts for me, at least was her relationship with Sunstar. And, you know, as I think at the start of the comic, you know, um, they're talking about, I think they have a date or something like that. And he's going out and he's trying to save all these people. And he's, he is trying to be the mindset of Jesus with the power of God in his, he seems to be wanting that way. Yeah. Right. And she's being like, look, you can't actually save everyone. You, you literally can't. It's impossible. And there's a great bit in one of the books, I think towards the end as well, which is a saying about, um, go on a honeymoon and he's like i save an average of 20 people a day she wanted to go away for two weeks that's 240 lives gone and then someone says what do you do she's like i can't he was like i compromised gone away for a week so we're gonna lose 140 lives it's like i can't even imagine the sheer amount of baggage dating someone who has got that weight on them all the time it's and so she's a really strong person but not in the standard way that oh she's a strong independent woman who don't need no man and you know she's foxy and she you know none of that you know it's not yeah. that isn't the main part of her in my mind my part is just how she when you see it you think our oh, sunstar is the strong one and you know, she's you know kind of the da- you know dams in distress air quote she's the one kind of training him like a lost puppy but when you delve deeper into it, it it's almost the opposite it's like he needs her to stay grounded without falling too far down or going too high she's the thing that keeps him from becoming a god or a devil in in a sense that's kind of how i view it i totally agree i think i think what we forget about like lois lane in the last you know 20 years plus has definitely come into her own she has her own comics she has her own um, line of of actual books i think amy adams lois lane is the best thing about the dceu of one of the of one of the non-superhero characters Mm -hmm. Obviously, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman is the best thing. Um, <laughs> she's just so good. Um, but I loved Amy Adams, Lois Lane. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of her in this. There's a line in Man of Steel when Lois Lane shows up. Um, and Christopher Maloney's there. And they're like, oh, we did this and blah, blah, blah. And she shuts them all down. And she's like, okay, if we're done measuring dicks, let's get on. <laughs> and I was like, that is the best line in all of the DCEU is Lois Lane saying, if we're done measuring dicks. It's like, that's who Lois Lane is. Like, that's what she would say that. I believe that to be true. And I feel like that's who this Sheila is. It's like, she's so grounded in reality. There's no bullshit um, for her. She pushes back at Sunsar all the time. And he's early on, she's being stalked by somebody an oyster pirate, which is just such a dumb thing. And there's like a running joke, like what the fuck an oyster pirate is. Um, and I won't give that away. So you can just read that yourself and find out. But um, of course, Sunstar, Ken, he thinks he's going to save her. And she's like, just let Gary, the security guard, handle it. It's not your problem. That's why we have Gary. I'm fine. Don't worry. But of course, he overreacts. Um, and at one point, he's like, don't, doesn't he know whose woman you are? And she snaps at him. She doesn't let it go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's such a call back to, you know, the pre-Quit Measuring Dicks version of Lois Lane where she would never have said that. I mean, even in like the film versions and the comic book versions, she is always a damsel in distress. And this Sheila woman is not a damsel in distress. She is distressed. Her life is hard. She's married to a superhero. Like you said, she's, she also has to deal with the fact that early on, they're, they're meeting with an adoption agent. He's, he's been gone for two extra hours because he couldn't find an airplane. And then mm-hmm. you discover later they died and then um, uh, God pranks one of them and tells him he's going to hell. Um, uh, but then he wasn't. Turns out hell's not real. But he, that was really, that was great. But you find out they all die because they end up there. And it's real subtle. It doesn't say like, you know, this is what happened, but it's there, that it's these people who all show up, all of them together after dying on this airplane. And um, 
you know, and, and, and he, and he, that's what you're saying. He's like all bedraggled and he hasn't shaved. And she's just like, she says, you can't save everyone because none of us can save everyone. And, and then, and her being that person, being the human avatar in a book about Jesus, who also couldn't save everyone, right? Even this comic book, even this story, this second coming, Jesus has come back and he can't save everyone. He gets beat up by Nazis. He gets beat up by Christian, you know, the Christian right. The only guy who really listens to him is what Larry Pinecone. Like crazy guy who eats pine cones, right? Um, that's Jesus' new follower is like a guy who's genuinely mentally unwell. And he's the only one who's willing to sit and listen to him because Jesus can't save everyone, just like Sheila can't save everyone. And she's trying to remind us as humans, we can't save everyone either. So I just, I loved her for her, for her groundedness and for her being kind of that badass, that badass version of Lois instead yeah, it, of the, yeah. It's nice her being a subtle badass because I find that a lot of the yeah. time uh, with, and I, I'm not going to go down the route of, you know, female representation of things because that is a whole nother kettle of fish. But sure. obviously pr- it's getting better, but there are some pitfalls of it being that sort of, we've got a strong woman, therefore, you know, go women sort of thing. And the problem is, is that what I find sometimes is, yeah, you've got the damsel in distress, which many argue is detrimental to women. Then you've got the other side of it, which is, the only time a woman can be strong is if she's got superpowers, which is another right. problem in a way, because you, you think if, if you've only got these, I know it's not this simple, but it's, you know, if you've only got the two archetypes of just, you either a damsel in distress, or if you're a woman and you have superpowers, you can defend yourself. If you don't have superpowers, essentially goodbye. And what's nice about this is that she, as you say, you know, she doesn't need all, she doesn't need Sunstar to save her from anything. She wants to be with him because she likes him as a person. She has her own life. She has her own stuff. And it's nice seeing someone who is a strong character without physically having some sort of crazy accident happen and she becomes She-Hulk or anything. And it's also nice to not have, you know, her become, I mean, maybe it will with future volumes, fingers crossed it doesn't, but not like her become a superhero. It's, it's nice to just have a grounded, normal human woman who is strong without being super, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I actually think um, that is one of the things about Lois that has always been the case she's always been a human she's never lots of the other um i mean you know in batman's universe obviously now he's married to catwoman they don't have superpowers but again she's a, she's who she is hmm. um and you know there is this idea that the only person who could be his match would also like you said would also be a badass and granted you know she's not there's no superpowers in that universe but there's still um you know, in Gotham City, those are the street-level villains, the street-level heroes. But it's still, she's got to be in spandex. There's even, like, Jim Lee's covers of, of her right now. Um, there's, like, her in the cat suit, pregnant. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, no, I haven't. Nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> and I get what they're doing. It's pretty cool, you know, that there's going to be a bat-cat baby. Um, but it's also, like, maybe she wouldn't wear that. Maybe that's also, and you know, Jim Lee is one of the top five living comic artists of all time. He can draw whatever he wants and I'll look at it. But it's like, you know, <laughs> you don't always have to put him in like literally a sexy cat suit um, for them to be powerful. And Lois Lane's power is her, you know, is her pen. Always has been. It's always yeah. been her mind. And in this version, this Sheila version of Lois, it's the same thing. Um, she, she, like, there's a scene later right at their wedding where Sunstar goes off and does a bunch of stuff and she calls his bullshit as soon as he comes back. She's like, you were doing this, weren't you? And that scene is great because he looks at us and like smiles and winks and she's like, 
doesn't believe any of it. So she's smart. She's the smartest person in the room. Um, I just think it was nice. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that it was great. Um, the supporting cast, the, the, the superheroes are all really funny. I think there's some really excellent commentary there on, on how we, um, you know, what it's like to be a superhero. They're all in a support group together and they're all sad because they're not Superman. Um, and I think that's really funny too because you know what's, even what's clever about that as well is have you seen justice league i assume you have because you're quite the dc yeah, yeah. yeah with with that film i'm not going to go into some of the big flaws of dceu and things but one of the things of justice league was that whole film basically i didn't think it was that bad but i didn't think it was amazing i just think it was worse than all the avengers movies so why would i kind of bother but it's still not a bad film in my opinion it is but, not worse than age of ultron debatable I, I would, I mean, okay that's a different show yeah, but fair yeah, I, will, I will say yeah. most people i know do hate age of ultron a lot more than yeah. i do so that's yeah. fair enough i don't hate age of ultron i just think oh justice no league, yeah yeah, yeah that, i'd say okay i'd agree with you there justice yeah. league better than age of ultron but yeah that's with justice it, yeah. league the biggest problem i found with the whole film was the whole time you've got these people who are brilliant they can't beat this one really bland generic villain who barely even remembers his goddamn name because he's you know the standard he's a bad villain why? Because he's bad. What happens? He's got a big glowy object thing that he's shoots got a, in right. the sky. He's, and it's just like, is... every villain ever now. But the thing is, the whole problem with the Justice League is just, hey, we're all these amazing, incredible people, but for some reason we can't beat this one guy, so we just have to keep, we have to bring back Superman and that's the whole film. And you're just like, I'm so, my biggest thing, what I love about this as well, is that I say I actively hate Superman, which sounds weird, but it's because he's the most bland hero ever. That's why he's so perfect in Second Coming. Absolutely. Him, because it, it does kind of point fun at that. Because he, the problem is with Superman, I'm not going to go to Big Superman around, but the problem is, is that he only has two weaknesses, really. And that is kryptonite and people he cares about. That's it. So every plot line has to have one of those two things. With Batman, all you need is someone who is stronger than Batman and not even as smart as, but can pull a fast one on him. That's it. Same as Iron Man. Same as a lot of these people who aren't gods and, you know, anything like that. When you're not invincible, you don't need a god to kill you. You just need a smart guy with a gun, in a sense. Mm -hmm, right. And that's one of the things that I dislike the most about Superman. That's what I quite like about the GCU is kind of going for. They're not trying to push up Superman. They're kind of realizing everyone's a bit sick of him. And what I loved about Second Coming is that you've got this guy who is invincible <clears throat> and he can't be beaten except with Solarite or whatever it was. But he's, he is still very flawed and he's still very human. And that's what my issue I have with Superman a lot. And that's what I like about the first half of Man of Steel. I think the first half of Man of Steel is genuinely absolutely incredible. I just think the second half is crap because it's two people punching each other who can't seem to ever take any damage. So it's just a pointless CGI mess. But I like, I like human... I like humans, you know, human stories, you know, you can have whole movies about people just being people where nothing really happens in the plot. It's just an hour and a half inside someone's life. And it, it feels like something. And I think that's what second coming did brilliantly. It doesn't rely on Superman to be this big crazy hero because that's what it needs. It is really just a layer of flavor text to add like there's, there's numerous layers to this, obviously, if we've kind of gone on, but the Superman sort of character is, is only there to sort of go show some flavor text towards Jesus and God, in a sense. It's, it's like right. a middle ground. And that's the genius of it. That's what is, uh, this makes this so brilliant, is that you've got arguably the world's blandest superhero with one of the most, two of the most, you know, well-known uh, religious figures and things, all mixed together in a fresh take that, makes them complement and balance each other out to bring in brilliant social commentary with humor and really thrilling plot and even satan's in it as well and you're like 
this, this is what I'm not saying this. He's a religious individual, Mark Russell, but this is the kind of content which, if more religious people got on board with taking the mick out of their own religion, but still saying, yeah, there's a lot of dumb things in the Bible, you know, X, Y, Z. But Jesus generally was a cool guy. He does want you to love each other. The main, I will say, one of my favorite memes in the entire world is it's got um. It's, I love all the old school sort of Jesus memes. They all crack me up. There's one which says, it's got Jesus, you know, standing there with loads of followers and stuff. And it says, love thy neighbor like you love himself. And then it's got someone calling out and going, what if he's gay? And, the per- and Jesus goes, did I fucking stutter? And yeah, that's right. That's exactly how I feel like Jesus would be in a sense. And that's obviously without swearing in, I think, second coming. But in this, he swears. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's excellent. And I think, I mean, that's why I believe that that's what he dealt with. So like issues with two and three and four, deal with, you know, uh, the gay issue and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Jesus ends up in the gay restaurant and the people beat him up because he's there. They think he's with <laughs> Satan. Um, and I just, I, I, I think, right, there's a line in here and, 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 um, and this, is, this goes to exactly what you said. The line is, God created man as an image, leave man alone enough and he'll return the favor. Mm. And so that line is in, the, is in this book. And um, so that's exactly what you're saying is that, so if God created man in his image, then um, now because 90% of the, of the world is straight, humanity has decided, well, that must be the right way. I mean, it's like, it's just as absurd. And this is the argument I always give when anybody say, well, you know, God, God damns gay people, whatever. I'm like, well, there's also only 10% of the population are left-handed. That's more freaky. <laughs> like, <laughs> to, to me like to love someone to find someone attractive to be like you know of the same gender or whatever that doesn't make that doesn't seem weird to me but to be like i'm literally using the different half of my brain my brain is wired differently like being left-handed is 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 as unique as the fact that what is it octopi or squid are iron based and the, and the rest of us are carbon based like that's weird, right? That's a weird thing. It's, it's a different part of your brain is doing something. Being attracted to somebody, that's just, some people aren't attracted to anybody. Like we don't, God doesn't hate the asexual. Yeah. Apparently God's ambivalent on asexual. But, you know, and again, I'm not trying, I know people who are left-handed, but I'm saying like, that's genuinely something that is physically different about you. Your, your brain I'm sorry, you saying I know people are left-handed. Yeah. It's, it's like saying, it's like, I'm I not have, racist. Yeah. I, know, I know black people. Right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, you know what I mean. You get I what know. I'm saying. I'll, I'll like. leave it in. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is, is that that is a weird, that's a genuinely weird thing. And And if all of a sudden the argument was, oh, God hates left-handed people. I mean, and it's interesting because in the day, in the 40s and 50s, Catholic schools would beat left-handedness out of you. Yeah, with a ruler that they used to yeah. yeah, yeah, it used to cause a yeah. lot of issues with a lot of people. Right, yeah. And, 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 and you know, I don't know that they were, you know, persecuted in quite the same way that gay people are persecuted. It's, just <laughs> such, it's such, an, it, it's such a, a funny point that he chose to focus on the gay issue in this book series, but it could have been anything. It could have been anything. It's just like what humans decide to do. Humans have decided like, oh, well, my daughter's left-handed, so Satan isn't left-handed, but, you know, your daughter's gay, so Satan, like, you know, that's the Satan. <laughs> so it's like how humans have decided what God means is obviously what the, what the point of this is. So, well, we could go on and on. I, and I feel I've like we definitely could. <laughs> for some time, but let's. Um, 
let's tell everyone. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing this, man. I may. I, I was going to say, there's a yeah. couple of quotes. I know you've got a couple written. I, down. Yeah, I, by all means. Could we, if we both just say a couple of quotes, because I've got some other notes here, which is not uh, as interesting necessarily. Although I am yeah. interested uh, with Billionaire Island. That's a thing that I know Mark Cross is doing. I'm yeah. interested by that. So I want to talk about that at some point. Not sure. on this chat. But um, uh, basically one of the things that I want people to take away from this with me specifically is I am an atheist. I don't necessarily believe in God, but I, if there is one, I hope he's a good God essentially. But everyone can learn from Jesus. Everyone. That, uh, you don't have to believe in him to learn from him. You know, but you right. could watch, you watch the uh, Avengers and learn from Captain America. It's It's not, you know, but there's some quotes in this, which are some of the, just while I was reading it, I was like, I just have to find a pen and paper to write these down because they're so good. And one of them is actually, there's two from Jesus, which I think are the best uh, quotes. And I think these basically are better than almost anything in quoted about Jesus saying in the Bible, which is ironic because obviously what he says in this. Yeah. One of them is, <clears throat> the greatest temptation isn't to do evil, but the need to be seen doing good. I have that one right there. That is genius i mean yeah i mean that is that line is just it, it just makes it's, it's so many layers of it being genius of just yeah that is the point you can people can do nice things all the time and that get rewarded but the second you want people to see you doing it it's not for a selfless act and then also it is kind of an evil act because you're making it all about you and there's i mean that's that one sentence i feel like you and i could probably sit here with that one sentence and probably talk about it for two hours easy because it's yeah. so, so clever. And the other one I just wanted to quickly say was, um, this is one of my favorites as well of, of the whole uh, book. Um, people believe in God because they hope for a witness to their suffering. And I was like, since I read that, I just had to take a moment. And I was like, that is absolutely incredible. That is one of the best arguments I've ever heard for why people are religious. It, 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 just to show people, just to show someone actually cares that you're going through horrible stuff. That, oh, I, I, oh, gushing over it. I, I just, well, and especially <laughs> if you think about where we are now, like you and I, we talked out there, we're lucky that we're, you know, at homes with our, with our significant others. And not mm. everybody is. There's people who are alone right now. 100%. Um, and, you know, and that being alone, loneliness is suffering. For, you know, we, we see this all the time. And so I think you're right. I think the, there's, I'm sure during the pandemic, there's a lot of people who are turning to their, to their faith to have a witness to their suffering. I think that's totally true. Yeah, I, I wrote that line down too. The, the the lines I wrote down, those were there. I wrote, the, he's like a white tourist in Mexico, which of course you've just recently been to Mexico. So I didn't, you know, that was also funny to me. Stop I was fight. like, <laughs> no, no, it was just funny. I've never Bring been, me on the podcast, throw me no, shade. No, 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 I've never been. And it was just funny. I just wondered if you noticed that line when you read it. You were like, hey, was she talking about me? I didn't know if you noticed it at all. I wasn't so... When I read it, I noticed it. I hadn't written yeah. it down and I'd forgotten it until you brought it up. Oh, okay. Like, oh, should have written yeah. that down. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, know you I just didn't, didn't know. Just I was like, he just wasn't in Mexico not that long ago. I wonder how he felt about that. So, um, no, based on what I know of you, you were not that guy. You were not the white tourist in Mexico. It's like, bring me things. Um, I tried not to be. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I think, I'm sure you saw those people and they were yes. probably from my country. Not for me. Yes, they were um, mainly Americans. Yeah, that's that what it should have been. Instead of it being like he's a white tourist in Mexico, it should be like he's an American in Mexico. <laughs> More what I think she meant. Yeah, Mark. God, if you're listening to this, yeah. why didn't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was perfect for that one right. bit. Though. Oh, no, it's a great line. Um, yeah. So the the one that the other few that I wrote down is sometimes you become so focused on protecting people from danger that you become the danger. Mm. And I thought that was really, and that was um, talking about God. And uh, because and, God in this in this book, everybody, God is so worried about Jesus coming back to earth that if it doesn't work out this time, he's going to end us all. Um, 
And of course, Jesus doesn't want that because Jesus likes humans um, and he likes earth and he wants to save it. But so that's the line he says about, about his dad is like, you're, you're so focused on, and, and I think that's an interesting thing for all parents to think about that line. Um, we all do that. You know, you can sometimes overprotect your kids to the point that you're actually hurting them. You're, you're shunting their growth because you're, you're, you're not allowing them to go do anything on their own. Yeah, you lock, I mean, the safest way to, the best way to save a child from being killed is to lock them in a room with no one can ever touch them. But also right. you save them from that kind of damage, physical, but the amount of other damage you do that isn't obvious, that's kind of where it's going. So right, yeah, and that's, that's exactly right. And of course, obviously there's that whole, you know, that's, we could have spent, we could have gone, spent an hour and a half talking about just the parenting side of things that's going <laughs> on in this book. Um, and then the other one was um, um, about um, salvation. Um, um, and he says, uh, being saved or, uh, where is it? Being brave. It is being, it is saved by being humans. Humanity is being saved by being brave enough not to be intimidated by being honest enough not to be bribed. And when we fail, it is saved uh, by one act of forgiveness at a time. Like that's what, that's how he thinks humanity is, is, will be. Is saved. that what Jesus says to Sunstar? Yeah. 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 I'm pretty yeah. sure I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, he was trying to explain, you know, why. Because Sunstar didn't understand why Jesus just didn't, you know, like ma- wave his magic wand, as it were, and just save everything, and, and why mm-hmm. he couldn't just save humanity. And he's like, well, humanity doesn't want to be saved by that. Like, you need to learn your lessons to be saved. Like, being saved isn't a matter of just absolution. It's a matter of learning and growing. And, and you know, and I think, you, know, you said you're an atheist. It's not like reading this has made you less of an atheist, but it's definitely, I mean, it puts you on, I mean, I'm a, this Jesus is super awesome. Yeah, you know he's totally love this guy. You know, um, if he wants to come and hang out, we can. He can hang out. He seems like he'd be an excellent guest. Uh, I would love to talk to Jesus on my podcast. That would be golden. (laughs) This is the closest we can get, unfortunately. One thing we didn't mention: some good singers. Yeah, thing we didn't mention, which is actually a real. It's the first note I wrote down, which is just a very slight thing. Quick, crucifixion being a trigger warning. Oh right. We didn't even mention that. We the fact that Jesus, when he first gets to earth and he walks, and, uh, Sun Star's talking to him and he's like, what the hell is that up there? And he's like, oh, that's a cross on your church. And he's like, I'm sorry, Christianity, they've put crosses everywhere. What? The thing that killed me. Why the hell would I want to see that everywhere I go? And I've heard people say, I think I've heard stand-up comedians and stuff. Maybe George Carlin, I think, said at one point. Yeah. So good. That is so good. Just crucifixion being a trigger warning. I, yeah. I love that. For sure. This is book, listen, everybody, this book is so full of, like, we could talk another two hours. We still couldn't cover it all. We'd go down another rabbit hole I'm sh- of, of something, I'm sure. Because that's what this book is. It's worth reading multiple times. The, the, what Mark Russell does in all of his books is there's visual puns in the background. So like they walk past a store and it's called Ed's Wood. Um, there's Hail Mary's. There's Lukewarm Topic. These are names of stores um, that are like in the background. Um, so honestly, just if you read the book, and you just you know, go through it all and you, you absorb the text and you think about that. But make sure you go back and spend some time with it once you're done processing that, just looking at everything. So there's so, much, so many cool things in the background and there's just, it's, I've read it three times and I laugh out loud every time. And sometimes something different that I didn't catch the first time. It That's is, what I did. That's what with the, with the whole eating the fruit thing and seeing uh, when yeah. I re- I see Adam playing with his dog, yeah. when it was just, but even at God having this really important conversation, he's like, "Oh my God, I've got a yeah. wheelie!" And it's like, right. it's so subtle, it's like a background almost silhouette of him doing it. But it's, right. oh, 
It's like, read it once for the story, read it again for everything else, because the everything else is as good as, if not maybe even more satisfying than the story. Absolutely. So, Mike, thanks again for doing this. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. I want to end here with the question I ask everybody, which is, if you could recommend this book to one person, whether it's a type of person or a particular person, who would that be and why? Hmm, that is a tough one. I mean, Second Coming is such a good sort of series that I would probably give it to almost anyone, uh, which is kind of a cop-out question, I suppose. I think if we're talking about groups of people, I think teenagers or sort... Yeah, I think about teenagers who are religious who are starting to question their faith a little bit i think the second coming would help them not only learn more about the religion in some senses but also learn to question the religion without necessarily taking away the importance that can come from religion in a sense as i said i'm not a religious person Uh, i'm an atheist but i see the value in the community aspect of religion uh, and i know a lot of people can sort of get a lot of value from that so i i'd say that people who are starting to question their faith just so they can kind of reevaluate their own stance on it so for me it would be ideal if you gave it to someone and yeah they took the lessons that jesus was saying and a lot of the sort of the good things about community and etc but did look at the sort of some of the hypocrisies within the new and the old testament and some of the flaws of a book written by man about the creator in a sense um specific individuals to give it to um i mean i really like sam harris um an intellectual who's also i think a neuro scientist he's a podcaster he's an author he's done loads of stuff he's one of my favorite sort of public figures he has a quite a balanced perspective on religion and things and i'd love to hear him read this and discuss his thoughts on it so yeah i'd say sam harris as an individual and then teenagers who are going through their own sort of questioning of their own religion i think they're the two main people that i'd probably give the book to that is awesome thanks for that i think that's an excellent thought i appreciate you sharing that well let's tell everybody where they can find you in the world my friend yeah sure um so be brief uh got the two podcasts got genuine chit chat which is its own thing just type in genuine chit chat um you can find that on instagram twitter and facebook it's all genuine chit chat uh that's episode released once a week have a different guest on every week relatively speaking and tony's been on in the past and tony will be on again in the future Absolutely. i should have written down the episode name if i was a better guest but i didn't it's, i don't remember either so there we go you can, gonna have to. i have it linked on my website so if you there click on my website in the show notes you'll see you can get a link to the first part of mind and mike's conversation right there wonderful uh the other show i do is on the comics emotion feed which is what people are listening to right now uh and yeah that is star wars comics in canon uh i think episodes are out every saturday i just talk about essentially the canon star wars comics uh and i add a bit more to it i add some trivia how it connects to sort of wider things when certain characters get flagged up that are only in it for a few seconds i then do give a bit more information onto them so it's me just nerding out about Star Wars and me nerding out about conversations. And yeah, the, the Star Wars comics and canon thing, all the information about that can either be found on the Comics in Motion uh, various social media things, just at Comics in Motion P, P for Papa, um, or just at Genuine Chit Chat. You can find all those things. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, and both shows are excellent. I mean, I actually, you know, I found your show and love it and I've listened to. I, th- I don't know that I've, I've actually made it through the entire back catalog. I'd say I'm like at 80%. 
of your back catalog. Still impressive. I think that's more than you want. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and as you've always acknowledged, the one that you, you did with the gentleman who sold the circus gear, the, the blind guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah. I and mean, his argument is like, not everything has to be perfect. You know, not everything is. Sometimes, <laughs> that's the best thing about your shows is like you've even said in that show with him, you're like, yeah, sometimes they put it out that the quality isn't as good. And I'll just tell everybody, hey, sorry, the audio quality is bad, but the content's good. And you just want people to hear excellent conversations. Mm-hmm. And you are a great interviewer and uh, their shows are always good. It doesn't matter. That's the best thing is that no matter what you're talking about, ransomware or uh, that guy, you know, uh, you, you engage with the people and make them, uh, feel important and therefore they want to talk about things and that makes it interesting to all of us. Even if we're not interested, we didn't think we were interested in selling circus gear. Now we are. <laughs> but it's, 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 without, but I'm not, I hate I trying to blow my own trumpet. One thing of my entire life is always, I can take insults with the best of them. You can insult me all day long. As soon as you start complimenting me, it's, it's harder for me to process it in a way because I'm quite self-critical in a lot of things. But with, with my show, all I say is to people um, is my favorite thing in probably my favorite just weird little thing in the world is when you talk to someone and you watch their eyes light up by the thing that they're talking about. You know, when you get someone and you ask the right questions and you unlock something and then they get excited about telling you what they love, that to me, that's all I want. It doesn't matter if I'm five minutes before that I had any knowledge about selling circus equipment or ransomware or whatever it is. But when you talk to someone who's passionate, for me, that is, that's what the art of conversation is all about. And what I say to people... If they do check out my show, don't listen, don't be like Tony necessarily and listen to the whole back catalogue because there's going to be countless conversations you don't care about. And that's okay. My whole show is just, I have enough conversations about enough different things with enough different people that if you go through my catalogue, you'll find at least one conversation you'll find enjoyable. And that's all it is. I don't expect people to listen to every episode. I just, if people check it out, I'm sure you'll find something. Or you can contact me and ask, say, look, dude, I don't want to go through a hundred plus episodes. I like this. Do you have an episode about that? I'm happy to talk to anyone. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your support always, Tony. It's Thanks. A, well, I, it's a great show. show. It's an excellent show. Yeah. Well, again, I thank you for being on here. So everybody can, you know, follow everything in the show notes. I'll link to everything that Mike just talked about. Obviously, we're on Comics in Motion right now. We're two of the four shows on Comic in Motion represent. Max Byrne has um, DC Comics, uh, DC and Mandatory Marvel and DC, where he focuses on big stories from the big two. And of course, the flagship, Chris and Dave, where they talk um, movies and TV shows based on comic books. And the, the interview this last week was front with Lenora Zahn from X-Men, the animated series. Which mm, you yeah, so, Voice of Rogue, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, she did the Voice of Rogue. So uh, that was cool. So I appreciate them letting me do this. I'm glad you were here and I'm happy to come back on and we'll, we'll keep doing this. So you can follow me at Tricycle Boombox, check out my reviews at DC Comics News. And um, the interview that I have with Mark Russell should actually be out by the time this drops. So mm. uh, I'll, I'll be able to link that in the show notes. And um, we're going to go out with King Missiles, Jesus is Way Cool. So I will see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Jesus was way cool. Everybody liked Jesus. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. Anything he wanted to do, he did. He turned water into wine. And if he wanted to, he could have turned wheat into marijuana, or sugar into cocaine, or vitamin pills into amphetamines. He walked on the water and swam on the land. He would tell these stories, and people would listen. He was really cool. If you were blind or lame, 
You just went to Jesus and he would put his hands on you and you would be healed. That's so cool. He could have played guitar better than Hendrix. He could have told the future. He could have baked the most delicious cake in the world. He could have scored more goals than Wayne Gretzky. He could have danced better than Barishnikov. Jesus could have been funnier than any comedian you can think of. Jesus was way cool. He told people to eat his body and drink his blood. That's so cool. Jesus was so cool. But then some people got jealous of how cool he was, so they killed him. But then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, danced around, and went up to heaven. I mean, that's so cool. Jesus was way cool. No wonder there are so many Christians. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Why did Sasha Baron Cohen get chased by the Secret Service? What made Sarah Silverman stand by her friend Louis C.K.? How did Mindy Kaling miss out on SNL? I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and on The Last Laugh, comedians reveal how they're staying funny in a world that's falling apart. As long as I'm laughing... Yeah. I laugh at the things I say or anyone else. <laughs> I just like laughing. Next up, how everything changed for Nick Offerman when he became Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. Life was like, oh, by the way, things are going <laughs> to get way more super crazy. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.